Okay, good morning. And so glad to have you see, see you today. And uh, I slipped out during the, um, into the welcome. Did, did we recognize our VBS workers? We did? Oh. Okay, well, I want to do it twice. If, if, you, if you had an involvement with VBS uh, this week, just kind of raise your hand. Some of our VBS workers? Yeah, let's have a round of applause for these workers here. Yeah. Good week, Vacation Bible School, and we're talking today about going where the Spirit leads you. And last week during VBS, I found the Spirit leading me to Starbucks every night, getting a pick-me-up a little bit anyhow. So uh, it was a good week, and so today we are in John chapter 16, starting with verse 1. John says, he records the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore... I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the, the good week we had last week as a church where over 100 children here each night, over 40 volunteers here helping, and uh, many children hearing the gospel for the first time, hearing about the stories of Jesus, understanding what Jesus did on the cross, uh, learning about what sin is, what forgiveness is. What grace is. We thank you for that, Father. And, and as we turn to our passage today, Lord, we pray that you will fill our hearts with your word today, with, that we would hear what it is you want us to hear, that, that I would preach what it is you want me to preach, that as this word says today, that, that you give us the words, that you give me the words, and that your spirit speaks through me today. Father, I pray that every week, but I mean it. 
And I thank you for promising us that you will be with us, be with us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to show you three things about the Spirit as we close this series this week on Go. Last week of this series, I want to show you three things about the Spirit as we seek to go and fulfill the Great Commission. First is that the Spirit will sustain you. The Spirit will sustain you. It is impossible to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Because every Christian has the Spirit. Many times we try to live as if we don't need the Spirit or don't want the Spirit. But the Spirit is what makes it possible. It is what sustains us in our walk. He says in verse 1, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Well, this is the discourse between Jesus and his disciples, and it takes place the night before he dies. And so Jesus it knows the next day he's facing the cross. So he gives his disciples this, this kind of farewell speech, this going away speech. It was very troubling to them because they didn't know that he was leaving. So he explains why he is telling them these horrible things that they would not want to hear. And when he says, I have said all these things, he's, re he's referring to the discourse from John 15. And in this discourse, he explains to the disciples that, that he is the vine and that they are the branches and that, and that they are united in him and through him. So they need to make sure that they abide in him. And he told them this to keep them from falling away from the faith. Well, why would he tell them that? Well, because persecution is coming. See, when times are tough, when the church is persecuted, the people of God must stay together in order to thrive. So Jesus tells them what will happen to them. He says in verse 2, he says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. He reveals that, that there will be two certainties when he leaves them. A, they won't allow you to teach about them in the synagogues anymore. That was their, that was their practice. They would go into the synagogues and, and reveal Jesus to the Jews in hopes that the, their fellow Jews would believe them. He says, I'm not going to let you do that anymore. And then some zealots will actually kill you thinking they are doing the Lord's work. And we know this is true because Paul did that such thing before he was saved. He was a murderer of Christians before Jesus saved him. So up until this point, Jesus has, had served as the disciples' advocate. He had served as their protector. But now he's preparing them for life without them. Right? And whenever we go out of town, you know, we have, if we have people stay with our children, grandparents or something, we have to type up like a four-page document about what to do with all our children. We have to prepare the children. We have to prepare the grandparents. Here, here's how it is. Here's, we're not going to be here, but here's your instructions. Just follow these, and it'll go better than if you don't follow them. This is what Jesus is saying, preparing them for life without him. He says in verse 3, 
And why will they do these things to you? They will do these things because they've not known the Father, nor do they know me. See, it's very people, I mean, it's very simple. Those who hurt the people of God are not the people of God. Those who hurt the people of God are not the people of God. The branches don't hurt other branches, a part of the vine. They're growing together. And they can say they're doing God's will all they want. They can claim to know God. They can claim to know Jesus. But those who intentionally hurt God's people don't know God. This is what Jesus is telling them. He's saying they're going to say that they're the right ones. If they believe in God, that they're doing this for God, but they don't know him. Because if they knew God, they'd have the spirit of God living in them. Can't be a Christian without the spirit living in you. But they don't, so they don't. So he says in verse 4, And I have said these things to you, that, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. It seems hopeless, but Jesus is just setting them up for the remedy of this reality. He wants to keep them from losing their faith. He wants to keep them from falling away because when the hard time is hit as a Christian is when our faith is tested. And he says, you're going to have the hard times after I'm gone. And I don't want you abandoning the faith because it gets hard. He's trying to let them know that, 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 that bad things will be here. And even in the bad times, he will sustain them because he is the vine. Look at John 15, what he told them in the previous passage. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, lives in me, who, who, who is in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. See, the branches bear the fruit. But if we cut ourselves off from the vine, I've never seen a dead branch grow, have you? Never. When the, when the branch is dead, when it's cut off, you know, I'll prune my trees around my house every now and then. I'll prune those, those branches off that are too low to hit me in the head. But you know they're real low if they're hitting me in the head. And by the next day, you can tell they're dead. They didn't bear any fruit. They didn't sprout anything. And that's what he's saying. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Stay in me and you can bear fruit. And he says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. See, when we bear fruit, and we know what that is, fruit of the Spirit, any of you do, kindness, goodness, self-control, all these things in Galatians that Paul writes about. He says, when you bear that fruit, you prove to be my disciples. Rounding up other people and killing them in the name of God is not proof that you know Jesus. It's not proof that you know God. As the Father has loved me, verse 9, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. When times get tough, abide in Jesus. So he's telling them this, let him know that he will sustain them. And then number two, we see that the Spirit will help you. 
the Spirit will help you. Look at verse 4b. The second half of verse 4 said, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. In other words, I don't have to give instructions when I go out of town to my in-laws or parents or babysitters. I don't have to give them instructions when I'm in town and they're not coming over. Why, if, I, if you're going to watch my children, or let's say you weren't going to watch my children, and I just sent you a, a list on text messages, email, about how to feed my children, what to do with them, you would be like, why did you send me this? <laughs> That's nice, but why would you send me this? But if I asked you if I was going away, I would send it to you. So that's what Jesus is saying. I haven't had to tell you this because I'm with you. I'm not leaving. I'm your protector. I'm your, your helper, your guider. Verse 5. But now I'm going to him who sent me. That is the Father. None of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. He, as he's telling them this, he sees sorrow coming across their face, filling their heart. Uh, they become sad. And this, this word sorrow has this idea of the heaviness of grief. We've all grieved before, most of us, some of us more than others. And grief has this, this oppressive heaviness. It's like it's never going to get over. It's like you're, you're, you're waiting for it to get over, but it never feels like it would. Like you're, like you're walking the plank, or so to speak. Uh, you know the future is not looking good. They're not looking forward to the day where they're going to be told to leave the house of worship. They're not looking forward to the day where they might be arrested. They might be killed. And so sorrow has filled their heart. So here, verse 7, Jesus gives them the hope, the good news. See, there's bad news, and then there's the good news, the great news. He says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth that it is to your advantage that I go away. And you're thinking, what? How is that possible? If I do not go away, this helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He says something that's almost unthinkable to them, that when he leaves, they'll be benefited. How? Because I'm sending you the helper. Some... Translations say the counselor. That's what it is. It's someone who helps, counsels, gives us insight. Now, you might not go to a, a counselor on a regular basis, but you might have people in your life who counsel you. And you go to them for advice, and they give you counsel. And after you hear it, you feel a little bit better, and you go about your day. Jesus is saying that you will always have a counselor with you. Always have a helper with you every second of the day. Jesus can't be with you at all times and all places because he's in, in his form, he's one person. The Holy Spirit is in all of us everywhere we go. And he says in verse 8, and when he comes, he being the Spirit, he will convict the world concerning three things sin, Righteousness and judgment. Part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he convicts the world. Now, that's important. We don't convict the world. We can't convict the world. If that was the case, 
Many people that you know and love would have turned to Jesus a long time ago if you could convict the world because you've tried. I know you have. He will convict the world. Conviction has the idea of convincing someone of something. Just convincing someone that something is true. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, he has the power to convince a person of of several things. First, he has the power to convince them that they are guilty of sin. You, You don't have that power. He does, though. He has the power to, to convince the world of righteousness and judgment. To be righteous means to be made right in the eyes of God. He has the power to, to show people that they need Jesus to be made right in God's eyes. We don't have that power. The Spirit does. He has the power to convince people that there's going to be a judgment for their sin. We don't have that power to convince people that, but He does. And He explains in verse 9, concerning sin because they do not believe in Me. That's why he has that power. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Sin, the need to be made right with God, and the reality of judgment are three things by which the Holy Spirit will convince people they need. Not all people, but anybody that will turn to him will be convinced by that. Emily had a night during VBS, my wife, where she was filling in and she taught 4K, K four year olds, the lesson on Thursday. And the lesson on, on Thursday was that the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. That was the lesson, right? So, you know, they're getting the same type of teaching we're getting here, which is probably pretty good, right? So she was explaining to them what sin was. And, we, and she's done this many times, it's always kind of funny. And she explained to them what sin was, and she said, sin is the bad things that we do. And she said, raise your hand if you've done anything bad in the past few days. Not one of them raised their hand. Four-year-olds. She says, you know, let me tell you examples of something bad. And then she says, so raise your hand if you've done something bad. They all just stared at her. You know, they're, they're probably you know, worried they're going to get in trouble if they say what they've done, right? Emily can't convict them of sin. The Holy Spirit can. Holy Spirit can. So we we don't have to convince people of these things. We tell them, but then the Spirit opens their heart. The Spirit puts that in their heart. He helps us in this way. And He helps us as well by convicting us of these areas. He convicts us when we sin. He reminds us that we are made right with God through the works of Christ. Not by our performance, but by through Jesus. And He reminds us that He is a just God, because there will be a day of judgment where every evil deed is judged. And some days that truth sustains us, knowing there is a God that judges. Now, he wishes that none shall perish, but all shall turn to Jesus and have eternal life. But there is a day of judgment. And the Holy Spirit can only convince people of that. And this is why it's so important to read our Bibles, to show people the Bible, invite them to church, to, to to let them hear the Word of God. The Spirit will help you. And finally, number three, the Spirit will speak for you. The Spirit will speak for you. He says in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them 
now. He had already told them a lot of things that they either couldn't handle or didn't want to handle. You know, God's word is filled with that kind of thing. There's a lot of things in here. I flipped through and I said, oh, no. I don't want to look at that today. I wish he hadn't put that in there. <laughs> or things that we just can't bear. And he's saying, I've given you too much already. But then he says this, verse 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He says, but you'll get more when the Holy Spirit comes. And why will he guide you into all the truth? Because he does not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are the, to come. So in this one verse, we get just a complex, complex description of who God is. See, the Spirit speaks on the authority of God the Father. He does. Yeah. Sometimes at a, at a restaurant, if we don't get what we ordered or we need some more ketchup or something like this, whatever, or if we're at Zaxby's or something like that, I'll tell my children, go up there and say this. Now say exactly this. Don't, don't, you're not ad-libbing. Say, we need more of this, right? Because they'll get up there and forget why they're there and they'll say something wrong. I tell them exactly what to say. I said, tell them this and they'll give you what you want. And they'll go and they'll tell them and they'll get what they want. You know? Sometimes they'll come back and they'll not have what they asked. And I say, well, what did you tell them? Well, I said this. I'm like, well, that's why they didn't give you what you asked, because you didn't tell them what to say, right? The Spirit says exactly what God the Father has told him to say. So when you have the Spirit, you have God who created the universe, who created everything that we see speaking through him. And just like Jesus spoke on the authority of God, the Spirit does. And this is one of the unique attributes of God, that he is simultaneously three persons, but he is one God. He's not three gods. He's not one God that acts in different modes at one time or another. He is everywhere all the time. He is all-knowing. He is, he is everything that we can think of. And it, with the Spirit, he is with us. He exists in three persons. And the Father, Son, and Spirit are equal but they have different roles. And the Spirit's role is to help us. He's to guide us. He's to speak for us. If I told you that you could have a counselor with you everywhere you went, that you could turn to at any point and say, you know, I'm having a, a bad day today. I saw an advertisement the other day for an app. And you can just go download the app on your phone and Tell the person you're, you're having a bad day, and it's an AI. It's artificial intelligence, and they'll write back, oh, how are you doing? How was your day? And you can have a conversation with a bot. Even though they can't help you, it makes people feel better. <laughs> you don't need a bot. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. You can talk to any time. And he'll listen and he'll help, and he'll guide. That's what he does. And furthermore, verse 14, Jesus says, he will glorify me. Why? 
Because he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. This is how you know if someone is speaking, has the spirit. Everybody, a lot of people claim to be spirit-filled. But does what they say glorify Jesus? They have the spirit. If the message contradicts Jesus, contradicts something Jesus has said, it's not the spirit speaking. Oh, it's some spirit, but it's not the spirit. And he says in verse 15, that all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Not only does the Spirit speak for Jesus, he speaks for the Father because all three are one. There's no misalignment in the Godhead. The Spirit speaks through you. Isn't it amazing? When the Spirit speaks through you, you have the words of God speaking through you. You're not God. Some people think they are, but you're not, and I'm not. When the Spirit does speak through you, you have the words of God speaking through you, the helper. You've probably had conversations with people before that were Christians. Some in this church, some who are no longer with us. When you speak to them and they spoke to you, you felt like you had spoken with the Spirit of God because they knew their Bibles and they knew Jesus and they had a relationship with Him. So when you spoke to them, you knew you were speaking with God's Spirit because His Spirit was speaking through them. The Holy Spirit will speak for us and He speaks to us. That's why when we're sharing our faith, we don't have to worry about what we'll say, how we'll say it, when we'll say it. We won't have to worry about it. Look at Luke chapter 12. He says, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now, in this context, Jesus is saying that when they arrest you and they put you in front of the court, the rulers, they ask you what you've done or why you're here, don't worry about what to say. The Spirit will give you the words. And if he'll give us the words in that moment, he'll give us the words in any moment, in any situation. If we listen to him, right? If we really take time to listen for the Spirit. There's a story of a, years ago of a, two men that were working in an ice house. Y'all remember what ice houses were? It was a building with ice inside it way before you had refrigeration. You would put uh, sawdust in there on top of, top of the ice and all this kind of thing and and uh, one of the workers was in there, and he lost his wristwatch. He couldn't find it. He went through there and dug through all the sawdust and tried to, tried to open the door and all this kind of stuff and tried to find it and couldn't find it. And a little boy went in there and closed the door of the ice house, laid still on the ground, and listened until you heard it. And if you have a wristwatch, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of people don't have wristwatch anymore.
ticking of the wristwatch. And then he found it as he went to the sound. He came out of that ice house. And how did you find that wristwatch? I laid down and listened. We want the Holy Spirit to tell us what to say, to guide us. We have to be quiet. We have to be quiet. i got to push Charlie down here and listen to the Spirit so the Spirit comes out. As we go, the Spirit will do things for us. We follow him and we listen to him as he helps us live the Christian life. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, uh, we thank you so much for what you've given us. We thank you so much for giving us that power of the Spirit. And we would quiet ourselves and listen to you. Read your word. Pray to you. Allow your Spirit to speak to us. And we know that when it, when it aligns with, with your word revealed to us through the Bible, we know we have the Spirit. So help us, Father, as we leave today. Lord, if there's one in here that's never placed their faith in you, that they would today. For those of us that know you and that are following you, that when we leave here, we'll listen to you. We'll quiet ourselves and speak your words as we leave. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.